0: Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through three media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our uh, online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are now all available to you www.smallbusinessdigest.net. That's www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the cop- topics you want to hear. If you have a particular topic you would like us to explore, send an email to me at dmazzella at is-incorp.com. That's d dmazzella at is-incorp.com. This week we begin where most small businesses do, at the startup stage. Our second guest gives us hints on how to write a book that sells your company and you. Our, Our enterprises are becoming more mobile each day. Our next guest will offer tips on managing a mobile workforce. And finally, we are all faced with learning about social media. Our our last guest will talk about how to use social media to add sales. And now I'd like to welcome to the program Anisha Taneya, Vice President of Planning and Implementation at Planet Solo. Uh,
1: Hi there. Hi, Donald. Thank you for having me.
0: No, thank you for coming on. Uh, we always like to first ask our guests a little bit about themselves and how they got to where they are now. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself,
1: Absolutely. So um, I've uh, done about 15, years of, I about 15 years of experience in product management and product marketing. Um, I've led strategy and products for both large established companies like Amazon, where I was a senior manager leading some teams, as well as startups, including founded some startups of my own. Um, when I was at Amazon, I realized... Um, just how much economies of scale or uh, how many advantages a larger company has against um, smaller businesses. And being a believer in capitalism and fair capitalism... when I heard about the idea of Planet Soho, which is a set of small business uh, home office, um, um, you know, operators, I felt like this was uh, some this was a calling for me. Um, I had um, you know when I studied, I had done an MBA from MIT and a masters in public policy and administration from Harvard. So I kind of felt like. Planet Soho somehow in its mission, and what I was doing both spoke to the business side of me, as well as I was kind of deeply driven by the mission for Planet Soho. So uh, I'm here as the Vice President for Product Marketing and Implementation, and I'm loving being here.
0: Well, that's an impressive background. Now let's talk about um, uh, what got got me to invite you on the program was a very... um, uh, interesting um, email that said, to "Take this job and shove it." How many people want to do that and want to step out from the corporate environment? But uh, as many have found out, it's not as easy to start a business as one might think, or to, or one started to manage it. Uh, tell us a little about what Planet Solo does and how it affects small businesses.
1: Absolutely, um, you know. As we started working with um, Sohos, um, we realized that one of the biggest things that held um, held people back was just the fact that they did not know where to start. They had a passion, they had a skill, they had a dream. They just didn't know how to go about making it a reality, and. As we realized that, you know, we went from appealing to, you know, the existing Soho market, which is about 25 million in the U.S., to also serving the large, huge potential market of people who want to be Sohos and just don't know how to, about, how to go about starting their own small business, which is 160 million U.S., and overall the global market is 2 billion Planet Soho um, basically is based on the premise. If you have a passion, a skill, or something you do really, really well, uh, and most of us Sohos are artisans in their area of expertise, we will help you do all the rest, all the business organization, how do you go about marketing and promoting yourself, how do you go about creating an estimate, getting yourself paid, how do you manage you know, your organization um, Most, you know, small entrepreneurs uh, in the, the, you know, the target audience we serve is uh, people who have either, um, you know, just one employee that's themselves uh, kind of solopreneurs or um, up to about five or six employees. So they're really tiny. When you speak to them about ERP, CRM, or any of the other abbreviations, They have no idea what you're talking about. So what Planet Soho tries to do is bring all the tools and services that they could potentially need to run their business all in one place in a really easy, consumer-friendly, even though these are businesses, we treat them as individuals and as consumers. So we make it very simple, very intuitive, and we know what they're going to need as they go about the process of growing their business, so we can literally lead them along the way and help provide them all the other resources, um, tools, services that they need, including you know, substantial discounts from uh, Planet Soho's partner businesses, which include FedEx Office, Office Depot, Google AdWords, um, Cafe Port- 1-800-ACCOUNTANTS, everything in one place so they don't have to go about finding lots of different providers, lots of different tools, and educate themselves on a lot of new things um, that they usually get intimidated by.
0: Well, let's back up. That, that's what Planet Solo does. But let's talk about, and I should have put it in this reverse order, what does a, a, a person starting off, he or she walks out of a, a, a company of a a large company and decides I'm going to sell a universal widget. Um, What are the problems facing that person?
1: Yeah, so um, I think the the first thing is great. You're going to sell this widget. Um, Nobody besides you knows that today. How do you get the word out? How do you tell the world that you are, um, you know, selling this widget? What price are you selling this widget? Um, How do you establish kind of a web presence, which is essential in today's um, world? And how do you gain some level of credibility? Um, And that's the first place. So the, the three big sections of where our tools and services are split up is getting promoted, getting organized, and getting paid. And so we help someone set up their storefront in less than 60 seconds. Uh, within 60 seconds you could grab a picture of your widget from your cell phone, from your computer, put it, oh, all your widgets, <laughs> and put them up and create a storefront, add the inventory, add you know items in, and if you add an item in, automatically it populates your storefront, and suddenly you have your own custom domain, you have a, a storefront, you have a personal profile, and you have a web presence now uh, where you can actually reach customers, they can reach you, um, and we we allow people to kind of add their Etsy, um, you know, accounts, any other YouTube accounts, anything else. So any place you are on the web, you can start kind of creating the centralized area where you exist. The second piece is we kind of help people walk through the process of creating items, creating estimates, negotiating with their um, clients about, you know, about getting the thing, about getting an, an estimate, and also about creating invoices. So our invoices templates, we've heard from a lot of Soho's. Uh, actually I, uh, them up. Look-
0: Go ahead, please. No, I don't mean to interrupt you, um, and I I know you, uh, Planet Soho does a, a great job, but uh, we we try to emphasize on this program, uh, what are the problems and how do you solve them. And for a startup, um, for instance, I always tell the story of a CFO of a major corporation that called me up one day after starting his own business. What do I do for stamps? Well, you go to the post office. Uh, He didn't know that. Uh, What I'm trying to get uh, across is you have many services, and we know that. But uh, let's talk about the individual. Uh, He or she is facing all of these uh, problems. What, in your opinion, should be he, he's, he or she has an idea, has a passion, decides that we're mm-hmm. going to uh, we're going to create the universal widget. Now, let us say, what are the problems that person uh, uh, faces? One you said is promotion, getting up a mm-hmm. uh, getting up a website. How uh, uh, to price uh, that
1: widget?
0: <laughs> right. Uh, how to price it, and how to, co- and most importantly, which many startups fail to realize, how to collect the money.
1: Exactly, uh, exactly.
0: So, um, without without talking so much about the Planet Soho, what it does, uh, and we know it does because that otherwise you wouldn't be on this program. We screen very carefully. <laughs> um, uh let's try to focus in on that person and and give our audience uh, what you think should be the step by what you yourself did in starting up your own business
1: sure sure so so i think that um you know as as people kind of embark on this um they have lots of decision points as they go about the the, the process and lots of people jump in on different um different and some people kind of Start with they have a friend who's willing to buy something from them and then kind of slowly over time their business grows. Somebody else starts, another Soho starts with the idea and they've never sold anything in their life, but they've got this great dream. Um, we tend to invite all our customers into our office for um, you know Friday happy hours, so we hear a lot of them talking about their key concerns. The bulk of their key concerns, as you rightly mentioned, um, fall into the... The you know the two sections of getting um you know getting them the word out marketing to potential customers finding customers and then in the the second bulk bulk of concerns falls into the getting paid how do I price myself how do I know I'm competitive um you know how do I deal with competition how do I deal with creating a you know credibility um how do I go about getting paid and actually getting, you know, somebody to pay this invoice from me? Um, And how do I go about, um, you know, as a small um, business, competing with much larger businesses and making someone trust me enough to come to me and show them that my quality is just as good, if not better, than that of a larger business? So those are some of the concerns we hear from our SOHOs all the time. Um, The other part of it... the more logistical stuff we hear is when people are trying to promote, they don't know how to use complicated tools. Um, they don't know where to start or what tools will help them because um, everyone kind of claims that they're the next best thing to slice bread. And as a Soho, they're sort of cynical and they've tried a lot of things and, and been burnt a bunch of times. And so they kind of feel like, how do I trust that this is actually going to help me, um, you know, in a way that this is going to promote my business or help me um, run my business? Um, so there's a large number of the concerns that we are hearing from our SOHOs. Um, and, you know, our SOHOs kind of span a whole bunch of different fields Anything from accountants to design professionals to um plumbers to you know um computer consultants uh, you know we've got kind of a really varied variety. It's the person who sells um purses to the yoga instructor
0: oh um I want to go back a bit you said you are what was that critical um thing that you said that you were hearing from them um uh, a problem uh, I'm sorry it skipped over and I, I missed it but but if you don't remember we'll go on to the next point. Well now you now a, a startup has begun. They've they've done their first um, made their first sale. What what should be the next steps they should be doing?
1: Right, um once they've done their first sale, you know, um usually most of most of these startups the micropones are kind of working on how do I get the next sale? And usually what we tell them to do is, oh, hold back, actually make sure that this first sale went well, that you get a positive word-of-mouth referral through the first person you did business with, Um, you know, make sure you kind of get a feedback loop going so that um, you have people and, you know, eventually referring you to other people and um, you gain credibility. Uh, we found a lot of also who've who've done that process or been able to communicate, um, you know, or shared the stories of their first successful client have been able to get many more successful clients from there on. But, you know, the other part of this is also getting paid on that first sale and um, making sure that they collect the money and see those returns.
0: Well, you know, you brought up a very good point, the reference sale. And, uh, uh, go, uh um making sure that somehow or other you you um identify that sale and, and get him or her to reference you. Uh well, let's talk a little bit about uh pricing if I if I may. Um I know I'm throwing some things at you perhaps you weren't thinking about, but how do you help um uh, a startup decide on pricing?
1: Sure. Um, you know, currently we are not playing in a, a role there as much as we would like to. Um, I think that um, as our product continues to evolve and grow, we've sensed that that is an area that um, Sohos would love our help on. Um, You know, it's it's a major blind spot for them, and um, it's somewhere where they would welcome uh, any, you know, input we have. Um, With um, over a million Soho's on our platform, and, um, you know, we can see by kind of, you know, their local region, by city, by different things, um, which Soho's and which verticals are, are being able to sell what kinds of products at what prices, and over time, you could see that we could build, um, uh, we've already started along a kind of an analytics platform where we're showing some kind of intelligent um, uh, data to our Soho's. Uh, but slowly over time, you could see that we could say, you know what, if you sold your product $5 cheaper, you'd be able to close the sale you know, in 10% of the time right. that it normally takes you. Or if you sold your um, product $10 more expensive, you'd actually have a better chance of closing this deal because, um, you know, being a doctor or a nurse is subjective and people use pricing as a proxy for quality. So actually you can price much higher and people will, you'll actually get more business, not less.
0: Well, uh, talking about pricing, um, I, I, I start out, I'm a, a, a solo entrepreneur. How much uh, does uh, Planet Soho cost me?
1: Absolutely, great question. Um, so, Blansoho um, you, we have three different levels: uh, bronze, silver, and gold. And at the bronze level is 4.95 for a month. And um, you know, we've developed our pricing by listening to our users. So, what we try and do is not charge them per transaction or per per activity they do. We just charge a flat monthly fee. For access to all the services, so that they can actually do lots of transactions, make make lots of money, and have access to all of these services. Um, and you know, at, at that um, so the at that price, uh, we provide them 24/7 concierge service. We provide them email marketing, a storefront, um, designer invoice templates, a whole bunch of services. Um, the other levels are 6.95 and 9.95. So the entry level is less than a cup of Starbucks. So if you have one uh, cup of Starbucks in a month, you're fine joining us.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that's a good way. If they want to reach if our listeners want to reach you or Planet Soho, how, how do they do it?
1: Um, the best way to reach us is at www.planetsoho.com and sign up.
0: Well, uh, maybe they may have they want to uh uh, uh talk to someone. But uh, if if I were them, I would try to talk to you. Uh, you're certainly an articulate spokesperson for uh, Planet Solo. Um,
1: if if they reached our concierge service and asked for Anisha Taneja, I would be happy to speak to them and give them a call back.
0: Well, uh, um, I hope uh, you'll come back sometime soon and talk with us again.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Uh, We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to be back next with John Colby, who's going to talk about book publishing.
2: Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit cost. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com.
0: We're back here. I'm Don Mazzella, and this is Small Business Digest Radio. And on the line we have John Colby, who is um, president, owner, chief bottle washer, of Boylston Press, Brick Tower Press, and a couple of others. Uh, John, are you on the phone?
3: Yes, I am, Don. How are you?
0: I'm fine, John. Good. Uh, 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 Thank you for coming on the program with such short notice. Um, uh, The reason I invited you on is we we got several queries last week from uh, listeners who uh, have been listening as we've had a parade of authors come through uh, plugging their books, and their first question to me was, how do I write a book, how do I get it published, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about that than you.
3: Well, thank you, Don. I appreciate that.
0: Well, we'll go ahead. ahead. No, you first. You're the guest.
3: Well, there are two, two ways to do it. First of all, you've got to know how to write, or you know a writer who can write for you if you've got a really good idea. So the two things go hand in hand, and always write about what you know or talk about what you know to someone who knows how to write, and that way you can develop a manuscript that might work in the marketplace.
0: Well, uh, it sounds simple, but as, as you know, it, it, it is difficult for people. Um, just writing a book is not a, uh, not enough anymore. You have to go out and promote it. Am I right?
3: Yes, you do. A lot of authors need to self-promote and be prepared for long grinds of promotion opportunities. They're not always around the corner, and you've got to dig them up wherever you possibly can get them. It could be a radio spot. It could be an opportunity to do a book signing at a bookstore. It could be a book signing someplace else, maybe a, a friend who would like to offer their house for a, party, a publishing party to deliver information about your book. But it's a long, slow grind. And not all the PR people who do this for a living aren't always able to do it in the time, in the time period that people authors expect it to be done. It's very, very difficult.
0: Well, you talk about time periods. Uh, a, a book comes out in January, um, perhaps not the best time. What, what? Uh, uh, how long before you can really see traction on a book let us it say it's a how to book on how to do uh, better manage the finances of your company
3: well it's so difficult to say there are two ways to to sell a book one is directly directly by yourself to to whatever media outlets you can you can access the other is to sell into a bookstore and to do that uh, you would need a distributor who has a established account with a bookseller like Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. And uh, typically the bookseller needs about three months or four months before publication date to see what you've got to offer. There's a promotional package you deliver to the bookseller, the buyer that is at the bookseller. There's a sample of the book. There's information about the author and what the author is going to do to promote the book and what the author has in a stable of available folks who can help promote the book for them and the bookseller needs to know all that information before they make the buy decision if they make the buy decision and put your book in the stores they may typically do it as a test uh, in several regional stores first before they roll it out to the other stores to see how well it does or not it could just die a slow death <laughs>
1: they
3: it may, it may order 100 copies or 200 copies and see what happens. And if it doesn't sell through, well, they got a line of line of other titles just waiting to go into your slot. But if for some reason it does generate some traction, which means we'd have to sell out the 100 copies in maybe a month or two months, and they might consider they might consider a reorder. Uh, independents work the same way on a much lower scale.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, you and I both know we've been around this industry a long time that the world has changed, and they have something uh, uh, places like Book BookBaby uh, and other places. Is it smarter to go try to get a publisher or to do it, publish it on your own?
3: Well, there's still a there's still a little bit of a, of a, a disagreement about whether or not it's it's better to do it on your own. Uh, Largely, booksellers will look at you funny because they've got hundreds of people who have good titles who are trying to do it on their own, and you've got hundreds of people trying to contact one buyer or one bookstore or one outlet versus a distributor that represents a bunch of different authors, but there's one or two sales reps that call on that buyer or call on that independent bookstore manager. So the independent bookstore manager or the or the, the bookseller buyer would rather talk to the same person they've been talking to for months about, about different books coming out down the pike. It's much easier for them. And you can imagine if you've got a lot of people trying to get your attention, it can, it can be very, very frustrating. So in that sense, if you're trying to get your book out, it's best to do it through a publishing house or a distributor or somebody like that. Amazon is its own animal, and there might be some opportunities in Amazon, but if you go Amazon... Then the traditional brick brick and mortar stores aren't going to like you, <laughs> and they may not want to have anything to do with you. So there's still a little bit of prejudice involved.
0: Well, um, how does a publisher pick uh, uh, pick a book to do? And uh, uh, let us talk about the genre that uh, uh, our audience is interested in. Uh, uh, you know, the how to books books that uh, uh, highlight what they. What their companies do well, uh, uh, could you go into any sort of detail on that the The best
3: way to describe that is or to answer that question is to say the book needs to offer the reader a unique perspective that doesn't already exist in the marketplace, so that the customer, the bookseller customer, the merchandiser in the in the bookstore will know their clientele would be interested in this book because no one's done it before so the publisher has a good idea about what hasn't been done before what might be unique to the marketplace and the bookseller will listen to the publisher explain why this book is unique this this is what the author is doing to promote the book and this is why the booksellers customers will buy the book and that's what the merchandiser merchandisers want to do is to be able to sell the book through. They can't have it sitting on the shelf. It just collects dust, and there's no sales revenue. They need to be able to sell it to their to their customers. They already know who the customers are. It's just a question of getting the, the right book in the right spot in the store.
0: Well, um, do you think that having books on demand will help in this area where the uh, person can ask for the book and it being produced right there in front of them?
3: Well, I think it's a really neat thing and I, I think that there are lots of different opportunities for for books on demand, including the espresso book machine that's a pretty pretty neat gadget <laughs> that kind of kicks out a variety of different books while you're while you're standing there watching it watching at work. The trick with it though, from a bookseller's point of view is they may not be getting the best discount they can because again the bookseller makes their money on the, the difference between retail and discount. But that they, that they use to, to pay for the book from the, from the publisher or distributor. So the print-on-demand books aren't as lucrative for the bookseller as traditional trade books at the moment. I think that's changing as the quality improves and pricing improves and becomes more competitive. But right now, the bookseller may not be getting everything they can possibly be getting uh, from the print-on-demand folks.
0: Well, it's a, uh, uh you you've been in this business a long time. You almost grew, grew up in it. Um what do you see as the future uh, of of book publishing?
3: That's a good question. I don't really sometimes I I don't really know how to answer that answer that or, or I think about it all the time. It's the digitalization of the content that's the the big the big ticket if if vendors distributors, wholesalers, retailers and the ultimate consumer can use digital material and get the information as fast as they can google some some something on their on their ipad or their computer then it's going to serve a purpose it it helps the consumer do something the reader do something it helps them accomplish something and that's what they want they want it really really fast on the other hand some people just still still like to read either a fiction book or a non fiction book and they like the, the tactile ability to hold the book and see the page, feel the pages and, and leaf through it and, and, and readers like to do that. It's, comfort, it's comfortable for them and they get a good experience. And others need immediate immediate gratification. They want something a piece of information really, really
0: fast. Do you think that there's a generational um happening? Older people like myself prefer a book and younger people seem to like an iPad.
3: Well, it's 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 many many ways. It's like it's like driving down the highway using binoculars. If you're if you're if you're searching for something online, you not you're not seeing what, what what's around you. You're looking at at something in focus that's out in front of you. And I think that a certain generation, the younger generations, might be used to that more. It doesn't mean it's 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 better or worse. It just means it's different. And I think each successive generation learns learns a new way of digesting material. And that's the job for publishers and booksellers to be able to figure out what that, what that customer needs. And it's going to be a combination of, of both things. And it is, it is certainly generational, but it's always been that way.
0: Well, if you had a, uh, we started this conversation by saying, um, uh, uh, uh if, you, if you talk about what you know, write about what you know, and if you can't write, uh, t- uh find someone who can, what, um, if someone has a, a book what, what is more important the title or the material inside of it that was I a question think, I was uh, i i, th-
3: I think uh, the old adage uh, don't buy don't judge a book by its cover is false <laughs> i think the cover of the book is very important to merchandising the book and that includes the color the color combination even the title as it relates to the color combination on the book. So cover design is really really important. Uh, even even if the material itself is is moderate to average, uh, the cover design is essential to merchandising the book properly. And, especially, and now, especially now with sorry, especially now with the there are two different ways to to make a cover. There's one way is to do it for the for the printed book that's sitting on a shelf in a bookstore. The other way is to design a cover that shows up on a on a desktop computer screen. In a small, little, little one by two image, it, they're all, almost two different animals.
0: I, uh, sometimes you're going to, uh, may need two more. John, can we uh, invite you back another time to, to, to talk sure. about more about this? Because sure, Don. uh this, this is a subject uh, people have been asking me about, and I just thought of you, and I said, let's bring you on. Sure,
3: Don. Any time.
0: I'll, po- I'll, I'll show up. Y- you got it.
3: Okay, Don, uh, thank, thank you much.
0: Have a nice day.
3: Or day.
0: Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. We have uh, ne- I I a... To to um, <laughs> uh, now a word from our sponsor.
2: Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidents of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's protectivecountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video.
0: Uh, um. Welcome back. My name is Donald Mazzella, and uh, this is Small Business Digest. Uh, we have an interesting situation. We have two guests on the line, uh, and I'm uh, going to ask uh, one of them uh, to uh, just stand by while we talk to, to Joe Wang. Joe, are you there? I am. Okay. Uh, We always start off uh, a guest by uh, asking them a little bit of their background, uh, their personal background, because it always uh, gives our audience a little feel for uh, who they're listening to. You're COO of Service Power, and, and you're here to talk about how to better manage a mobile workforce. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself first.
4: Perfect. Um, so uh, again, my name is Joe Wang. Um, I have been doing, been in this industry for uh, about 15 to, to 20 years. Um, I'm actually first generation. Um, was born in in Taiwan. Came here uh, with my parents. Moved around uh, all all different uh, all different locations, geographies across the states. Um, I happily married to. Uh, my wife Lisa, I have three daughters. Um, I got to this position with service power through I, I think if you trace my history, uh, started out in hospitality and then and then worked for automotive. Um, it was Ford Motor Company, um, sales and marketing side, and then services went from there to a big box retailer and uh handling post merger integrations, um, working on efficiencies and optimization and then and then, while there was asked to take a role running all of their um, service centers and field workforce and uh, services workforces uh, running their services fulfillment infrastructure and um, as i that role led to reorganizing their their field workforce right so um and looking at the field workforces and, and the gaps in our, in our operation, um, it was very clear that um, there was gaps in information, right, gaps in knowledge, not knowing where our folks were, not, not knowing where um, the status of jobs, uh, the efficiency to be able to drive efficiency and, and, and manage uh, capacity. And we, we had a hybrid model where we had both internal workforces and, uh, and utilizing third parties right and and the third parties are typically uh there's thousands of third parties out there um they're small businesses, mom and pops, anywhere from you know anywhere where from three to five uh servicers in the field to you know probably on average uh twenty five to twenty five to, to forty right and and that was that was the breath in 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 that journey. Came across a, a very unique software that that manages the mobile workforce end to end, right? So whether you're a whether you're a large company um, like uh, like Best Buy or Sears or someone like that, um, to a uh, small mom and pop, you you have a need to manage your your labor, which is your highest overhead effectively, and that's what uh, that's what Service Power does, and, and it's unique in the industry in that it, it can manage. A third party um or you can act as a third party or it can manage your own workforce and um and so when there was an opportunity to 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 move over to service power, I jumped
0: at the chance so that's how I got here okay and you managed to slip in a very nice uh uh plug for service power but let's talk about it yep. uh uh let let's talk about uh mobile management and today's uh it isn't. It's not only the people in the field, but uh, isn't also uh, uh, at home people working. Uh, 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 there's a lot of uh, a lot of different people who are no longer uh, stuck in the uh, office. Uh, is that not so?
4: Oh, that's that's absolutely correct, right? I, I think that. Um... Uh, there 's a resurgence of of with with the dot com right everyone 's purchasing on online there 's actually this this resurgence of of human to human contact right so whether it 's uh, in insurance adjusters making house calls or even if you look at um, mortgage uh... mortgage brokers and, and the folks that that sign your papers um, there's there's all types of folks that are coming to your home now to provide you um, that competitive difference in service level um, that because we're so busy all the time right and and so there's a lot of companies come uh, cropping up all over the place that that uh... service you where you want to be serviced right? and so that's uh... that's exactly where we play
0: what are the problems with having such so many people outside the office
4: there's uh there's there's i think two two major problems right one is uh depends on on which way you look at it so if you're the if you're the company that that is um utilizing someone that's sending somebody out there, you have a whole different set of problems than if you're the if you're the small business that's actually sending people on the road right in either case um Having somebody on the road you, you, is the highest overhead and the highest uh, probably the biggest type of um, overhead and labor that that you can spend on right in terms of a workforce because not only do, uh, do you have an individual right but instead of an office space or something, you now have vehicle, you have fuel, you have gas, and then you have the the mobile tools that this person is carrying and and all of those different things right and and so it's really basic uh really basic control steps or or even awareness items that that businesses need and technology now is at a point where it can provide is where where are your people at you know is is uh there's there's vehicle monitoring systems that now know if there's if the vehicle is decelerated too quickly, right? So if that's the case, it knows that you either did an emergency stop or you got in an accident. So now it's a it's a employee uh, issue. Is are are your people okay, right? Um, and then from a uh, sending someone to your home, did they arrive on time? Uh, how long did it take for them to finish the job? Did they finish on time? um you know and and then how long did it take them to get to the next job is is there if somebody can do 3 jobs in a day is there a way to do 4 jobs if they if they drive from location to location more efficiently so so the the number of issues that can come up is is uh, uh i mean they're they're indefinite right because there's so many issues that can come up and historically we've just assumed those different things right the big joke is hey i'm waiting on the the cable guy <laughs> right yes. well, when's he showing up i don't know sometime today right well we have technology now that that can ensure that 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 doesn't happen
0: well uh having uh experienced years ago the uh, waiting for a cable uh 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 cable guy for a whole day uh, uh i look forward to to uh, uh to this um, it's interesting i had not realized how important it was um uh, to manage all of this until I, uh, I heard your uh, your explanation just now, uh, it's really interesting. But what about a small business? How small uh, could uh, uh, how small a business could use a system like yours?
4: Well, it's uh, you know it's it's not just us. There's there's other there's other companies out there that do this. But but for us, our we we actually um, handle all aspects of a mobile workforce from you know 2 3 folks all the way up to um you know we 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 handle large fortune you know fortune 50 companies with you know 1000 2000 8000 uh, folks out in the field right i think our our largest workforce uh is right around 8 to 10000 people using using our th- our technology um and th- so you have small um small businesses that use our technology because um, not only is it is it how they get work right. So they they take on the overflow. They use this technology to take on the overflow um, from you know companies like like Sears or Best Buy or um, you know other different companies uh, out there. That I, I'm not referencing these companies because they necessarily use our technology. I'm just saying that that there's there's big companies out there that have a lot of work flowing to them. Right, they're big boxes but they don't have the workforce coverage to be able to cover all aspects. So so they they take the overflow and they give it to um what they call third parties. Well these are all mom and pop companies and and um historically these big companies have shied away from using mom and pops because of what I just referenced, right? If if a customer calls in and they're angry and they say, Hey Don, you know, I, I, I am I've been sitting here and waiting and, and the person hasn't shown up. Well, you go and look in the system and because it was outsourced you can't you can't see anything so the only thing you can do is apologize and and you know nowadays that that just doesn't cut it for the consumer right but with with technology now, you can actually um, uh, it becomes transparent you don't you don't even appear to be a third party because the technology that you're using is the same platform as what these Big companies are using so this big company can see exactly what 's going on with this job that it sent over to you so now um, it, it is actually become a that 's the huge shift in the industry is it's, it's becoming a competitive advantage advantage to use um, to be seamless to be called what what we call a hybrid organization is not only do you own your own workforce but um, you're also uh, utilizing smaller workforces and and these are what uh, small businesses can take advantage of is is you get on a on a platform like this and you're acting like a big company you're getting all the jobs you're getting all those things like a big company because uh they can see exactly what's going on on every job that you're working on right so so they know when the job's completed and as soon as it's completed they can give you another one
0: hey, you know the, the 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 thing I love about the job I have is is learning something new uh, and I certainly learn <laughs> I certainly learned a lot tonight. Um, if they wanted to um, talk to you or talk to your company, how do they do it?
4: Absolutely, best way to best way to reach us is uh, servicepower.com. And uh, and if they wanted to reach me directly, uh, I am at uh, uh, j.wang at servicepower.com. And uh, and all of our contact information is on our website.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, I I want want you to come back another time, and we want to talk more about this. Perfect. Look forward to it. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thank you. Social uh, social media is perplexing us all, and a a patient man is is on on the line right now who's going to talk to us about how social media can um, drive up sales. Are you there?
5: How you doing, Don? Rob Danielson here.
0: All right. Um, um, you are vice president of sales for?
5: ShopSocially.com.
0: Right. Um, I don't know if you heard our other, our other guests. Uh, sometimes when we book, we double book. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, before we talk about uh, social media. Sure.
5: Um, well, I was uh, I was born and uh, raised more or less in Ohio, went to school at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, spent uh, some time in New York City working with uh, Arthur Anderson on the consulting side, and back in the first, uh, I guess, dot-com boom, as they refer to it as, I moved uh, to San Francisco and uh, worked for a company based in uh, D.C., opened up an office uh in San Francisco for them, and uh, the company's name was Ecentive. It was all about deals, discounts, online couponing, things of that nature. And went on to work for a couple other companies in similar spaces. One called Web Loyalty, um, and another one called Ebates, where you can get cash back for shopping online. And I joined up uh, as first employee with Shop Socially uh, three years ago, and uh, we're based in Mountain View, California.
0: Well. Um you uh, someone from your company sent me a very interesting um uh, uh email about about uh how your company can help us a, a small business drive sales um and I, let me po- postulate the uh uh Uh, the problem or the opportunity, which essentially is uh, small business today are looking at social media, and most of them uh, think of it as a big black hole, and and they're looking for guides. Uh, What what are the three things a small business should consider when looking at social media?
5: Well, uh, you know, I think uh, it's understandable why they would think it's a black hole, because it's an ever-changing uh, I guess, environment, and uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, opportunities, uh, and you got to try to dissect <laughs> with a varied background and skills, uh, you know, which one of these opportunities is going to be uh, best suited for your business. That being said, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the different networks that are out there today, the different social networks, you know, the, probably the most famous is Facebook, or Twitter. It's also fairly well known. You also have upstarts like, you know, Pinterest that have done really well. These are all networks that have amassed, you know, hundreds of millions of people. And um, the, 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 I guess the carrot that has always hung out there or dangled in front of us is, you know, getting to reach those people. How can you as a small business owner, whether you're online or not, tap into those hundreds of millions of people so that it can benefit your business? And so the first thing is, I guess, you know, to have a presence on Facebook and to make sure that you are at least using these technologies to the best of your abilities is probably one of the the first and foremost things I would do. Um, Secondly, you know, our company, we're all about uh, helping those companies that are online to sell more products online and to tap into those channels, into those social networks. So we've developed uh, 10 different apps, if you will, or widgets, little software programs that small businesses can decide to turn on or turn off to accomplish various goals and objectives. Some of those goals could be, I want to have more revenues. I want to get Facebook fans. I want to increase engagement of the people that are online so that they're talking about my brand more. I want uh, one of my customers to tell their friends about how great our products and services are. So these are all things that we can help small businesses to actually achieve. So I, I think I added two, three, and four into that, Don, but uh, th- those are some of, the, some of the things that small businesses can certainly do.
0: Well, but in the process, you, you've outlined that's what a small business should do uh to drive sales uh engage the customer uh get the customer to sell for them etc uh if i've if i heard you um correctly so now i'm a small business i'm I, I i love your expression to the best of your ability and i'll say i'm it challenged uh i know just enough to be dangerous uh, and i speak i speak for a, a, an awful lot of small businesses in the discussions that, uh, that I've had with them, they all, you know, yeah, do you have a link up? Some have a link up, uh, li- a LinkedIn page. Some have a Twitter, some have this, some have that. But, but the, the, the real thing is uh, I've seldom seen that any have a coherent strategy, uh, for linking all of this together. And, um, it seems to me also that you need to be on this thing twenty four seven.
5: Well, you know, I agreed. Uh, that's a good observation, and I agree with your uh, your points. Um, uh, the, the biggest reason you feel that way is is because it is ever changing. You know, there there are a lot of people out there that like us, which our sole business is is this, and even within that, you know, we have a, a certain segment of the market that we perform incredibly well at, and as I mentioned, we're mostly online. The other, the third, you know, if I I go back a a step, you know, the third, I guess, prong in that stool would definitely be to have some sort of mobile strategy, which is another hot topic. But, you know, having, you know, local businesses, whether you're online or not, mobile is definitely one of the hottest topics. I'm sure you've had, you know, speakers on here about mobile. But uh, that's definitely something that can drive additional new business to you. But having that cohesive uh, uh, program or methodology to try to, utilize what's out there today, it does take some time. And uh, that's why we feel, you know, someone like ourselves, you know, when you develop a platform and you can answer in a problematic way uh, a lot of different scenarios and you can leverage experience from other businesses so that everybody can benefit, then, then, then it becomes a little bit less uh, daunting of a
0: challenge. Well uh, uh, What about um – you, uh, I'm trying to remember uh, uh, Sharon's closet. You had a uh, oh a no, patient. yeah, yeah,
5: uh, Carol, Carol's daughter.
0: Right.
3: Carol's Tell
5: daughter. Tell us yeah. what
0: you de- did in that uh, in, in in that uh, instance, so that uh, our audience can get a better feel for how you work and what's needed.
5: Certainly. So, on Carol's daughter. For those of you who don't know what they do, they're an online retailer. I do believe they do have some brick and mortar stores. They're uh, they're based out of New York, and and they. Uh, They offer a line of beauty products for hair and skin and body and so on and so forth. And I think they're all organic and all natural. And, uh, you know, from what I can gather, just, you know, fantastic products. Um, But uh, they came to us or we came to them and we started discussing, you know, what they could be doing from a social point of view. And, again, their um, uh, their whole emphasis to date had been to try to engage, you know, customers of theirs to talk about their brand and to tell their friends about it but they didn't really have the means to do so. It's very difficult to sit there behind a desk and try to figure out how to make that happen. Where, you know, companies like ourselves, and there's others out there that do this, you know, we, we spend time developing these tools that can be leveraged in such a way that as a customer goes onto Carol's Daughter's site, we make it really easy and seamless and hopefully effortless for them to understand that, hey, when I see a product that is really, really good, and I've had experience with it, that I can make a comment, and I can share that comment through whichever means I want, whether it be through mobile phone, through Facebook, through Twitter, whether I want to post that comment on Carol's Daughter, and that's really easy to do. Um, at the same time, you know, maybe I just want to say, hey, I'm a fan of Carol's Daughter, and, and, and for that, maybe I sign up for their newsletter um, because I want to be advised of, uh, you know, uh, of different promotions that are coming up down the road. And again, we can we can enable that to happen. So Carol's Daughter enabled a couple of our different apps. Uh, One was called Get a Fan, which is that whole process of liking or becoming a Facebook fan of that site. Um, And the other one was what we call Share a Purchase. Uh, And kind of as the name implies, you make a purchase somewhere and you're given the opportunity to share that with either all your friends or a small subset of your friends. And um, they're able to do that. And they saw some, you know, incredible results. Uh, We've been working with them for about a year and uh, they attribute about 8% of all of their online sales to us. Um, they have seen about a 2.5, actually it's a little bit more than that, um, uh, 2.5 times higher conversion rate for visitors that actually come from these testimonials. So, you know, we all have experience that, you know, we would expect Nike, for instance, to tell you that that new shoe they came out with is fantastic, and we would expect to see it in their advertisements, et cetera, et cetera. That's one, that's one way of reaching an audience. But if your friend who plays the same sport that you do, told you that, hey, that shoe, that, that new tennis shoe is so fantastic, it wears so well, and it breathes, and all those things that are important, that means a lot more to you. So, again, we've allowed these merchants to get their stories out and get them out in a way that they can be broadcast through these social networks. And it, it's worked out fantastic. Uh, they've increased their Facebook fans by 15%. And uh, what else? I'm trying to remember some of the other data that uh, um, well, they averaged
0: Cool. It's impressive enough what you're saying, but how do you do that? I mean, you say you do, but how, what do you do, for instance, uh, to, uh, to get uh, to uh, get uh, customers to share their purchase? So to do
5: it successfully, I mean, the, the the first goal, for from our point of view, is that we need to mirror our technology uh, in such a way that it, it's complementary to their brand. We've all been on different websites; some, you know, look like Apple. You know, some look, uh, have a totally different look than an apple, like a clean kind of swift, you know, that whitish look. Um, So you can have a variety of different looks and feels, but you want to be able to, uh, again, convey to the customer that, hey, you just bought this. And in a nice way, just like they ask for a customer review, you can say, I hope you're enjoying the product. Uh, You know, would you like to write a review? Uh, Thank you for making your purchase. Would you like to tell a friend about it? You can incentivize those activities. Obviously, everybody likes to have an incentive something as simple as, you know, tell your friends about uh, your shopping experience today and we'll give you 10% off your next purchase. Now, that may sound like a little bit of a brag, which it is, but really what you're also doing from a from a merchandising point of view is you're making sure that that customer comes back, especially if it's only their first visit. It's very important for retailers to make sure that not only do they get a, a the first-time customer, which is ideally important, but you want to make sure that first-time customer comes into a long-time customer, which means they have to come back a second and third time um and every every company or every business has their own metrics of how many visits they need to have until they know that that customer has been locked uh you know locked and loaded for them um but uh, yeah we make these go ahead
0: yeah well no though, let's just stay here um i'm a merchant um uh, uh someone comes into the store and and buys a dress let's say uh you then email her her t- uh phone and and uh, give her, in effect, a coupon for doing something? Is, is that how it works?
5: There are technologies out there that do that. Uh, the, what you just ultimately described there, at least the way I, I perceive that, is, is, is an offline situation where someone came into a store. But if they come into an online store and they make a purchase, they're going to go through the process where you put your credit card information in and your shipping information, and you get a confirmation page. And it says, thank you, Don, for purchasing. Oh, maybe that was that dress. But anyway, thanks for purchasing. And, uh, and you have the ability to share that with your friends. Now, in a store situation, offline, it's a little different. And we, don't, we have some mobile applications that can help you there, but that, that has not been traditionally what we've done in the past. That's just something that's rather new. We actually even have a recognition so- software that you can add to your mobile device such that it will recognize the product that you bought and you can share it with your friends that way there's two times when people are excited about a purchase one is when they make it and the other is when it actually comes to their door whether it be driven in a car or whether it be arrived by ups or fedex and so we try to capture and and make both of those opportunities you know beneficial for the merchant
0: well um that social media, right, bringing it right down to a, a level that any mer- merchandiser could uh, understand. Uh, uh, tell us, a, uh, I, I'm searching because uh, uh, you, again, as I said to the last guest, the great thing about the, this job, uh, this job, is learning something new, and. Uh, And having guests like you that have such interesting ideas. If people wanted to uh, get in touch with you or to learn more about the company, where should they go?
5: They can go to our website, which is shopsocially.com. It's S H O P, socially, dot Y.com. And if they need to email me directly, I'm Rob at shopsocially.com. Once around shopsocially.com, you can go around, there's some videos, there's some tutorials. You can look at the help section, and uh, if you need uh, additional help beyond that or you're interested in finding out more, then certainly feel free to email me.
0: Well, I know I want to find out more. Thank you for joining us tonight, uh, tonight, and I hope you'll come back again another time.
5: Hey, Don, we should uh, get our Get a Fan app up on your site so we can actually acquire you more and more Facebook fans, and I'd be happy to talk to you that offline, and thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience.
0: I would definitely do that. We'll talk soon.
5: Take care. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Well, uh, it's a, uh life is always interesting, and the, the, well, hopefully, we're getting the kind of guests uh, that you that you uh, want. Again, uh, if, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, uh, email us at d.mazzella. M a z z e l l a at is-incorp.com. Uh, we also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web at, the, uh, at smallbusinessdigest.net and, and via our magazine and our online newsletters. Until the next time, this is Don Mazzella, and this is Small Business Radio. Have a good day.